Okay, well, this morning I want to talk about the power of imagination. Uh, having just come back from Kenya, uh, there's some beautiful things. I remember when I first went to Kenya, nearly 20 years ago, and it was absolutely nothing like it is today. Absolutely nothing. Homer Bear was nothing like it is today. It's been completely changed, transformed. Um, and I just want to read this little verse, Ephesians 3 and verse 20. It says there, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work, at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. It's a beautiful prayer that Paul prays. But he's, he's really saying that actually God... God can do beyond what you were imagining. So whatever you imagine, whatever you were thinking, whatever you were praying, God often does far beyond that. And I uh, remember as I travelled down to Kenya the first time, um, that the, the, the road that we travelled on was actually not a road, it was a, dirt, it was a dirt gravel track, basically, with huge potholes in it. And when it rained, of course, it was nearly impossible to, to drive that road uh, and it would take five to six hours just to get from Kasumu to Homer Bay. Now it takes one and a half and it's a proper road and it's a road in which vehicles travel both directions. Um, it's, it's amazing to see what has happened but I remember travelling into Homer Bay and as, as we went down what was the main street there were no pavements, there were no lights. Um, there were actually little fires that were lit all over. And that was about the only light that was. Um, and there was a lot of, of course, unfamiliar sounds and noises in a place that was, to us, seemed a little scary, to say the least. Um, but I don't know that I actually imagined anything right then, I think I was probably uh, slightly scared about what I was actually doing there. Because just to get there took us about, in those days it took us about 24, 26 hours just to get there. So I can't really say that as I went down that road I was going, okay, I'm imagining incredible change. And, uh, but the goodness of God does follow us. <sighs> follows us. And I think over the course of the time that I've been there, I could imagine that there's going to be lights and roads and pavements and water and buildings and shops and bus depots. And, and, and really, that is what we've seen. And of course, it's nothing... You know, you never, you never kind of go, oh, well, that's all because of you. Well, it's all because of us. Of course, God's using lots of people there. He's even using the Chinese you know, he uses everyone. If he could use Cyrus, he can use the Chinese guy. He can use whoever he wants to bring his glory and to show forth his mighty acts. He can do it. Uh, and that, of course, is what he is doing everywhere. It's incredible to see. But there's no doubt at all that that is happening because of people's sacrificial giving, because of the life, because of the prayers, because of the sowing, the little seeds that we give, God waters that in incredible ways. And now it is completely different, completely transformed. And I can honestly say it's beyond anything that I imagined. And it's getting better and better all the time. It is incredible. And that's the same in Nepal as well. And it's just amazing to see. And of course, what we have, we take it for granted. I mean, really, we take all this for granted. You've got to stop just a moment and just think about, even today, you sat in beautiful clothes, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? We have beautiful fellowship together. We have lights. We have water. We can sing together. We have all this equipment. You, what, what don't we have? You know, at some point, we've got to begin to look and just go, Jesus, every breath, everything that you give us, we're so grateful, we're so thankful you know, this Christmas we're going to be receiving presents, aren't we? Many of us will get presents, we'll get all sorts of things. You know, just, just take a moment all the time to say thank you. Yeah. 
Never stop thanking him because we are so blessed. Look at someone and say, I am so, so blessed. So, so blessed. So blessed. I mean, it's an amazing thing that God doesn't only give us our food every day. Give us this day our daily bread. He gives us food for a week. You can go to the shop and buy food for a week. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Wow. So, as I was over in Kenya, I was, I was talking a little bit about David. Um, and I was talking about how he was an ordinary man who did extraordinary exploits. He was just an ordinary man. You know, you read about him. All these people in this book are just ordinary men and women. Just like you and I. Just ordinary. It's your story. Don't look at these people and go, well, this is Jeremiah, this is so-and-so, this is Peter, this is Esther, this is... Don't look like that. No, this is you. This is your story. This can be your story. Stop looking at it as though it's some kind of fairy tale book. Or as though it's some kind of, well, I could never attain to that. No, you're meant to attain to that and you're meant to do more. You're meant to do more. Stop it. It's incredible what God has put inside you. Stop playing yourself down. Stop doing yourself down. Who can be against you if God is for you? If God is with you? What can't you do? Huh? What can't you do? That's the question. What can't you do? Well, you can do everything that he has put inside you to do. You can do it all. It's incredible. So just like David, he became a hero. He went from being a zero to a hero. And he was the champion of Israel. Um... And many people were enthused and, and many people were excited and not only that, but released because of David. In fact, it says that when David um, dealt with Goliath, no one else dealt with him, but David dealt with Goliath and all the soldiers who had been in the trenches, every single one of them received um, a new boldness, a new courage. And they all jumped out of the trenches and went and routed the enemy. Up until David did what David did, no one was moving. But then, when he killed Goliath, then everybody got out of the trenches and began to run. And can you imagine, this is what really hit me about it. They they began to run, and they will have told these stories to their children and the children's children for many, many years afterwards. These will have been the diet of the households. They will have recalled this story. But I wonder how many people actually remembered what God did. Do you understand me? There's something happens with us that we actually, and of course God uses us, he puts us in the middle of it. And we're the one that he uses, but actually we so often forget that it's God that does it. It's God. He's our strength. He's our source. It's God that enables us to do all these things. We can't do one thing without him. And I wondered how many people after that they'd be telling the children, you know, and I went out and I routed this and did this and did this and did that. Well, yes, you did, but don't ever forget where it came from. Don't forget. We haven't forget the Lord. It's him that makes us strong. It's him that enables us to win these battles and do these things. It's not ourselves. So anyway, I was, I was thinking about that. Everything that he learned, he learned, this is what we said, in the home and in the field. There's no, there's no place anywhere that we read that David went to school as such. His school was in the field and at home. That's where he learned everything that he learned. So if you think about it, you know, when he went out and he was looking after those few sheep, do you remember when he got to the front line, his his brothers looked at him and said, why are you here? Surely you should be looking after the few sheep that you've got back there. Listen to me. He had been looking after his few sheep. He'd been looking after the 10, 20, 30 sheep that he had and he'd been looking after them so well that God taught him how to care for people when he was looking after those sheep. Do you understand me? That's what God showed him. Don't you, don't put yourself down. 
Your school of the Spirit is wherever you find yourself presently. Listen to me, everyone's going, I need to get out, I need to do this, I need to... No, no, you need to see where God has put you presently because that is the school of the Spirit for you. Right there. Because you wouldn't be there unless God put you there, would you? Unless you've been disobedient and then you need to repent so he can put you somewhere else. But I'm believing that you've been obedient so you find yourself in the place that you're presently at. Well, if you're at the place that you're presently at and God put you there, then God has got something to show you in that place. Now the question is, what is it that I need to learn in that place? Because he's got something to show you right there. That's your school of the Spirit. What is it that you are learning? Because he wants to show you something. And yes, he may well move you on, but you've got to learn what he wants to show you right now. This is what David did. He looked after those few sheep. He nurtured them. He cared for them. He cherished them. You know, there's probably a few people around you. Well, you've got to learn how to look after those few people around you. Do you understand me? You might have a vision to look after thousands of people. But before you can look after thousands, you've got to look after those that are right there right now for you. That's what you've got to do. That's what David did. So he looked after those sheep. He cared for them. He tended them. And then he learned how to provide for them. Did he? He looked, he, he, he gave them, he took them to the fields, and when they hadn't got enough food, he moved them to another field. He was caring for them all the time. And then he learned how to protect them. Because that's where he learned how to use his sling. And, and his sling was enough to down the biggest enemy against Israel. What has God put in your hand? What has he put in your heart? These are the questions you've got to ask yourself. Whatever he's given you right now is sufficient for your whole future. It's sufficient. Stop looking everywhere else and look at where you presently are and what God has presently given you. Everything that David learned, he learned in his home and in the field. And then he routed the biggest enemy against Israel. So he learned protection, provision. He, 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 he learned everything that he had when he went to see Goliath in that field. And from home. So what have you learned then? This is, this, is, this is the thing. Everyone's looking for something else. But you've got to look for what he's already given you. Where he's already put you. Because it's enough honestly. It really is. I remember many, many years ago in Kenya. We were sat and Nigel. I think Nigel was with me. Ian might have been with me as well. Uh, someone else was with me. And we, we were having lunch in the compound. Uh, not in the compound, but in, in the hotel that's right on the edge of Lake Victoria. And as we were having lunch, I saw a number of people come in, and they looked very important people. They were, they were very influential people. There were about 30 or 40 of them. And they all went into the restaurant, and I said to Tobias, Tobias, I want to go and speak to those people. And Tobias went, okay. So off he went, and they were all go going to have lunch. And I said, you know what? Uh, in my heart, I went, I know what I want to do. I want to pray that whatever they're going to do today, it's going to be successful. I don't have much, Lord, but that little desire in my heart right now, it's going to be for this community. That's all I had. I didn't have anything. I didn't have any big words. I didn't have any... I just had that desire. And I went, that, that's a God desire. And as they walked in, uh, Tobias went up, talked to him, and he said, oh, come, come on, come and join us for lunch. And I, I said to Tobias, Tobias, tell him that I haven't got enough time for lunch because we've got to go back and deal with the leaders. But let me just come and talk to him for five minutes and then I'll pray. And they invited me to come and talk to him for five minutes. And then I said to all of them, and they were from all over the world, different people from all over the world. And I said, look, let's just hold hands. Would you allow me to pray for you all? Because I believe that God is going to do something wonderful in this place. I believe he's going to use you. I'm not interested about whether, whether they were saved or whether they were... That's not my business. I, I, I just want to give them what God's given to me. Do you understand me? So I won't, I won't think, you know, well, Lord, what if this and what if that? No, I would just go, no, I've got five minutes. That's what I've got. So we, took, we, we all held hands. Every single person in that room prayed as I prayed. And it wasn't just a prayer, it was a declaration that money was going to come into the region and that something wonderful was going to happen. Well, the next year, there were new roads. There was a brand new international airport. In one year, 
God began to put pavements in. He began to put roads in. What was that? That was God doing something supernatural. It wasn't me. It was God doing something supernatural. But we've got to begin to believe that what God's put in our heart is going to make a difference. We've got to believe it, though. It's not just prayers as normal. This is prayers as supernatural. Huh? This is you getting a desire from God and going, Lord, we can make a difference wherever we are. We've got to begin to believe it. This is not some religious thing that we're doing anymore. This is real life. We are changing lives all over the world. That is fantastic. You are part of that. But you've got to catch it more. You've got to get it more. It's got to live in you. You've got to breathe it. You've got to begin to believe that this is your life. You were doing something. You've got to believe it. Who am I speaking to? Speaking to you, I. Look at someone and say, you're speaking to me today. You're speaking to me today. So, this is what it says in 1 Samuel 17, verse 32 to 36. It's incredible. These words are incredible. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. This is Goliath. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you were not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Love it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. You understand me, what he's doing? It's an amazing thing what he's doing right now because everyone's telling him that he can't do anything. Everyone's a coward. They're sat in the trenches, all these people that have got the professional uniform, that have got the little stripes and got the hats on and all the helmets and everything. They're all, they're all sat there in the trenches cowering. And David, what does he do? He recalls something that is in his imagination. It's in his mind. It's there in his memory. There's something in his thought that he's remembering. What, what, where'd he been? He'd been in a field. Everyone despised him for being in a field with a few lousy little sheep. But everything that he learned with those sheep was what brought him into a whole new place. So now he's remembering what he did with the, with the sheep and the lambs. Yeah, it wasn't just that he fed them, he protected them. And when one of these lambs was caught by a lion or a bear, now he's seeing it. And he's going, you know what? I remember the days that I've dealt with lions and bears. And this fella, who's raising his big mouth, because it, you know, we, we know it's against principalities and powers, but this darkness, this, this thing that's going on and bringing confusion everywhere, whatever that is, well, I've learned something else, and that is that I'm going to protect, and I'm going to look after the people in my sphere, those people around me, and the enemy's not going to do all with it. He's remembering it. It's coming into his mind. Now, there's many things that you have in your mind, isn't there? There's many things. Listen to me. You have been delivered from all sorts of things. Isn't it wonderful? Now listen, in Jesus' name, Father, I release people in the mind and in the memory that they would begin to remember the things that you have done for them, Lord. Father, that they would remember the times that you have delivered them. That they would remember the times that you have protected them. That you have provided for them, Father. Lord, that those things in their memory would begin to come forth in the name of Jesus. And Father, when the enemy rises against them, that they would remember those things and that they would come into their mind, Father. Lord, we say that they will not be trapped in their mind anymore, Father. We say that they will use these things to go against the enemy with, Father. That those thoughts, those pictures will again be released in their minds. In the name of Jesus. Do you believe it? Come on, do you believe it? Do you want it? It's there already in your mind. There's so many times that God has rescued us. That he's provided for us, protected us. He's done it many times for you, hasn't he? Many times. He's never failed you. 
And he's never going to fail you. And when the enemy rises up, you have to begin to think anew. Begin to think about the things that God has done for you. Amen? Begin to think it. This is what David was doing. And, and, and do you see it? As he's talking, he says, I can see it now. I get hold of that beast by its beard and I shook the thing. I shook it and then I ended it. You understand me? He's not cowering. There's nothing, there's nothing in this man that's going, I'm cowering against this darkness, against this beast, against this enemy. There's nothing in me cowering anymore because there's someone in me that is greater than all that. Now we've got, we've got to rise up, you know. Brexit or no Brexit, hey, you've got to rise up. You've got to rise beyond it all. Get beyond it all. Because there's someone beyond it all. There's something beyond it all. And we have to begin to see that someone and that something now. Do you understand me? We're not going down. We're going up. We're not losers. We're winners. It don't matter what happens. Because Jesus is still the king. Huh? He's still the king. So he was bringing to mind a picture that was stored there. His mind was recalling and replaying a memory that gave him great courage and released faith toward the future. That's what he was doing. It was releasing faith as he was replaying that protection, that thing that happened. It was re-energizing his faith. And the more that he thought about it, the more he went, hey, I can do this. I can do it. He's with me. So... What you're saying and seeing can determine your future, but also the future of other people around you. This was his undeniable testimony. Do you understand me? It didn't matter if people laughed against him. It didn't matter if they despised him. It didn't matter what they said to him. You understand me? This is the thing that was happening. All his brothers were down there and on the front line with all the, all the gear on and the, the big words and they were captains and lieutenants and whatever else, but he wasn't faced by any of that. He knew I have undeniable testimony in God. This is, this is not some, I actually know what I've done. I have an undeniable testimony. And when the devil comes along, he has no right to stand in front of me and stop me doing anything that God said I can do. Nothing. It's the same for you. It's the same for you. No, it is the same for you. Please, Father, some of you just need to get up and go, yes, I want that. No, really, really, this is not church anymore. We've lost, it's gone. It's all gone. Do you understand me? We're still living in an era that's past. It's all gone, that stuff. This is completely different. We're in a different place. God is getting you and me ready to do exploits. And we've got to understand that it's real, this. This is real. Everywhere I go, I see this. I see the fruit of what you are doing, but I'm not sure that you believe what you're doing. And some of you that do believe it are going, "Ah, I don't like what he's saying right now. Good. I hope you are doing that. I want you to do that. Do you understand me? I want you to do that. I want you to be a little bit annoyed with me because somewhere inside you, you've got to rise up above everything else that's going on. Everything else. So, your memories replay your past and your imagination can pre-play your future. I think I've said it many times before. Your memories replay your past and all your memories are good, are they? So you've got to deal with some of those memories. We've got to deal with some of them. But then, your imagination pre-plays your future. So you can begin, there's a centre in your mind that begins to see things. Do you understand me? It's based on the word of God. When God says you can do all things, God is not kidding. God actually believes what he says to you. The question is, do you believe what he says to you? When God says you are a son, God believes what he's saying to you. Do you believe what he's saying to you? When he says that you're a prince, do you believe it? Do you understand me? It's not a matter of what God believes. God believes all these things. It's a matter of what you believe about you. And then you've got to begin to see it. You've got to begin to imagine it. You've got to see yourself 
in those places. This is not some kind of nice little thing. This is like a proper exercise. We have to begin to do this. We have to stand in front of that, don't we, don't we, Rach? We have to stand in front of that mirror and say, no matter what, I am a daughter of the Most High King. Yes. That's what you've got to do. Yeah. I am someone who means something. I'm significant on the earth. I'm not a coincidence. I'm not someone that was just born. I, you know, I'm, I'm here because God wants me here. Yeah. Huh? That's why you're here. Yes. My Lord. Listen to this. 1 Samuel 17, verse 37. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. You understand me what happened? He's replaying a memory that is a true memory. And as he does it, he's, he's infusing himself with faith. And as he speaks it, guess what's happening? Saul, King, King Saul, who just told him, you were nothing but a youth. And this man, has been, he's not only a youth, but he's been in the military academy all his youthful days. Who are you? Do you understand me what just happened? So King, King Saul's looking at David and going, you're a youth, you can't do it. This guy, he's a six foot, seven foot, eight foot, nine foot giant who stood in front of you and he's been to military academy all his life. What are you going to do? And then he goes, listen, I want to tell you what I'm going to do. I can see the bear and the lion. I can see the little lamb that was rescued out of his mouth. I can see it. And this guy is nothing to one of those things. And as he's speaking, it is enthusing himself, faith's coming out of him, and now King David, in one verse, has changed his mind. Huh? All right, mate, off you go. Off you go. Huh? That's what he said. Go on, the Lord be with you. But something had happened in those moments. Now, you've got to begin to believe that he's in you. And that things can change around you. Really, don't, don't, don't be looking elsewhere. Just look in your own sphere. In your own places and go, things can change. So, imagination. This is the part of your mind that creates pictures. Pictures of the things that you desire. Okay, your imagination is the part of your mind that creates pictures. And those pictures are pictures of things that you desire. Okay, now this is where everybody has a problem. Because they go, well, I'm not sure what I'm desiring. Well, you see, that's because your mind has to be changed. You have to renew your mind so it becomes more and more like the Lord. Because the more that your mind becomes like the, more, the, more, the, the Lord, the more that you desire like the Lord. You understand me? The more that you fill your mind with the Word of God, the more your, your mind is filled with His mind. So the more your desires become like his desires. Then you will ask anything of me, says the Lord, and it will be given to you. You understand me? Then you're going to be fruitful because something is happening. There is some exchange going on. You are going, this old mind has no right in, in this place anymore. I'm going to deal with it by the renewing of my mind. You've got to renew your mind. God is Stop asking God to renew your mind. You are renewing your mind, not God. God has already done everything. It's available. He's given you all the tools. All you have to do is begin to go, okay, I'm going to read this in a different way, Lord. I'm going to read it full of your spirit, and I'm going to start believing what you say about me, and I'm going to look in the mirror, and I'm going to say who I am in Jesus Christ. That's what I'm going to do. You understand me? When you start doing that, something happens in your mind. Your high waist change, and now you begin to think and feel like Jesus thinks and feels. Yes, you actually feel like he feels as well. Isn't it amazing? You actually begin to feel what he feels. Not only think what he thinks. This is a beautiful thing. So then when you're desiring things and dreaming things, guess what? Guess who it is? Well, it's not the flesh. The flesh don't want anything that's going to bless someone else. Believe me. The flesh don't want anything that is going to be beneficial to anyone else at all. Do you understand me? That's the flesh. So you can rule out the flesh once you've got the mind of Christ in you because all he's thinking about is everybody else and the Father. Listen to me again. All that he's thinking about is everybody else and the Father. 
That's what he's thinking about. So when your mind gets filled with the mind of Christ, you begin to think about everybody else and the Father. That's what happens. So then your desires begin to change. And your feelings along with them. But everyone's terrified about the desires. They're terrified. Well, you've got to bring all that before the Lord. You've got to deal with it all. Do you understand me? Everything that you've ever felt, ever thought, every little thing that you feel, everything that you look at, everybody that you look at, and you go, oh God, you know, and, and the flesh kicks in, the natural thoughts kick in, guess what you've got to do with them? You've got to deal with them, and if you don't deal with them, they'll always overcome you. But you've got to deal with them. Stop asking God to do it. You do it. You've got to be honest. You've got to deal with it. You've got to go, Father, I know you see every thought of mine. I know you see what I am thinking right now. I know you know what's behind my eyes and what's going on in my mind. I know that you know all that. But Father, I come to you and I acknowledge that that is not your heart. But Lord, you see it. So I'm saying sorry. And not only am I saying sorry, I'm going, Jesus, I want your mind in me. I want to see through your eyes. I want you to see through my eyes. I want you to feel through my body. I want you to do something inside me that is beyond anything that I've ever felt or known. Isn't that beautiful? Come on. It's beautiful, honestly. Jesus. Lord. This is not church like it always has been. It's different. We've passed it. It's all gone. Jesus. Listen to this. So, imagination is this. It's, it's the part of your mind that creates a picture. The picture is of something that you desire. Now listen to this. I've said this many times. The thing that you desire, you pursue. Listen to me again. The thing that you desire, you pursue. So, if you are not pursuing it, then you don't really desire it. So stop telling yourself you do, because you're not pursuing it, so you don't desire it. You understand me? This is how you work things out. If you are pursuing it, then you really do desire it. It's as simple as that. You can say, oh Lord, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to do that. Yeah, but what are you doing? Just look at what you're doing. Stop all that nonsense. It's nonsense. Do you understand me? Oh Lord, I want to do this and I want to do that and I've got a desire to go out there and do this and I want to do all these wonderful things. No, no. What are you doing right now? Because what you're doing right now is a massive key to what you're going to do. It's massive. It's like this big, you can't fail to not see it. Do you understand me? You just can't. So what is it you really desire then? Write it down. What is it you really desire? What are you really seeing? What is really in your heart? What do you really, really want? Because that is really where you're going. Right there, that. So just look at that. Pursuit is one key to unlocking the miraculous. Imagination is another yeah, begin to imagine. You have to begin to see it. You have to go, God, I can see it. I can see it with pavements. I can see it with lights. I can see it with running water. I can see it, Father. I can see new buildings. I can see new buses. I can see them being blessed. I can see them being built into sons. I can see it, Lord, no matter what people tell me. No matter what they come and laugh at me and mock me and tell me it's not going to happen. I can see it and I'm not going to give up seeing it. Because eventually what I see is going to come to pass. Because you see, there's something about when your heart and your mind come together, it makes a map to get there. It makes a map. It actually gives you a map to get there. Wow. It's great, isn't it? Thank you, Lord. So, dream seeds. God plants his dream seeds within you. He's done it. Before you ever arrived in in Mothership Earth, he already put his seeds inside you. It's not not difficult to understand, is it? I mean, really, it's it's so simple. If you think about, what do we call that? The stick that we put in the computer. What's that called? USB? USB stick? Yeah. Is that right? Yes. So just think, on that little stick, there's all sorts of things. There's designs and details and information and all sorts of things. You just stick it in your computer and suddenly you see it. And from that, you can do anything. Well, the Father God has already put his seed inside you like a little USB stick. It's already inside you. He put it in there before you ever arrived here. He put it inside. And when the word is preached 
And when some, some people begin to unlock your faith, something on the USB stick begins to open up. It's like something happens because faith reaches out and goes, that's mine. As soon as you do that, a new page opens. And then you hear another word, and another new page opens, and you go, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. Where was it? Was it outside? No, it was inside. It's always been inside of you. It is his dream seed on the inside of you. Now listen, it can be in your heart, but your mind is the incubator. Your mind is the incubator for the seed. Do you understand me? You've got it in your heart, but now you've got to begin to believe it. You've got to begin to see it. So what do you do? You get hold of the words that God has given you. What are the words that God has given you? Do you understand me? I have words, this many words that God has given me over the years. And I go, God, you've given me these words. What do I do? I pray over them. I, I, I remind God about them. Yes, he knows about them, but I remind God about them. I pay something down my room and I go, God, you've not forgotten your word, have you? I know you've not forgotten it, Lord. I've got it. You said it. It's here. I'm recalling it so that you remember it, Lord. And he's going all the time. No, Paul, what's happening is you're remembering it. You're recalling it. And every time you do, faith's released. And the more faith you release, the more, in, the, more the environment changes. Wow. It's profound, isn't it? But it's so easy, it's not even difficult, because everything natural shows us what spiritual is. Everything natural. So, dream seeds coming into your mind, incubating in your, uh, coming into your heart, incubating in your mind. Your mind is the incubator. Let's look at Joseph, for instance. You all know that, that God put dream seed into Joseph, didn't he? And one day he woke up, he'd had a, he'd had a dream. Who, whose dream was it? Well, you all say, well, it, 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 was, it was Joseph's. No, it wasn't Joseph's. It was, it, was, it was God's. It was God's dream. God was dreaming it. Joseph didn't even know the full picture. God knew the full picture. He knew what was going to happen in Egypt. He knew what was going to take place. He knew it all. He had the big picture. God put that inside Joseph before he ever arrived in the earth. But one day, one day it came from his heart into his mind. And his imagination got it. In a dream, and he saw it. And then he went, this is what's going to happen. My brothers are going to bow down at me. They didn't like it. But whose who's dream was it? It was God's dream. It wasn't, it wasn't Joseph. He just said it in the wrong way. He wasn't wise. We know all that. He was 17 years old. But he said it nonetheless. And then he had another dream. And yet the sun, the moon, the stars, they all bowed down to him. And he said it again. And they didn't like it. Whose dream was it? It was God's dream. It got him into trouble. Because he was dreaming God's dream. Now what happened during the years... So it was another 17 years before, before Joseph ever got to Egypt. What happened in those years? Well, we know he went through all sorts of difficulties. He was in prison. He was in a pit. He was going through all sorts of difficulties. But what kept him going through those difficulties? Well, of course, he was a man of integrity, but that's not enough. You have to, you have, to have something in your mind that you've got there, that you've captured. You have to begin to see it. You, you have to begin to see it before you. What is it that God said to you? What is it that God wants for you? You have to begin to see it, and you have to allow your mind to incubate it so that you're seeing it more and more. Because during those difficult times, that is exactly what you need to keep you going. But you see, we're all being afraid of our imagination, but you've got to stop being afraid. Stop being afraid of your imagination. God's in you. He lives in you. He's with you. He's towards you. God is bigger than everyone else. God is inside you. Stop being afraid. Huh? Some people are afraid of their own shadow. <laughs> no, they are. They're afraid of their own shadow. They're afraid to move. Stop it. God's with you. How many times does he have to say it? You know he said it 365 times. God said, do not be afraid, 365 times. You know, one for every day. That's what he said. So you've got one for a day as well. You've got, do you get the message? Stop being afraid. Start seeing the goodness of God. Start imagining it. Start dreaming it. Start desiring it. Powerful tool, good or bad. That's what we know about our mind, isn't it? It's a powerful tool. And that's what we're afraid of. We're, we're afraid of our powerful tool. So instead of allowing it to fruition, we, we shut it down. Instead of maybe thinking something wonderful and imagining it, we shut it down just in case we think something that's not wonderful. 
Shut it down. It's the easiest thing to do with it. Just shut it down. Be a little robot. Carry on. Everything will be all right. No. You've got to deal with your mind. This is what, do you remember the story of Babel? Genesis 12 and verse 6. That's what it says there. It says, And the Lord said, Behold, the people are one, and they have one language, and this they begin to do. Now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So, of course, this is a bad illustration because what God's saying is he's going, I've given them this gift of imagination. But actually, when they all come together and they all begin to think and plan together, there's nothing that they imagine that they cannot do. That's how powerful your mind is. There's nothing that they imagine that they cannot do. Well, it's a bad example, isn't it? It's a bad illustration. But God was saying, it's powerful, this mind of yours. It's hugely powerful. Have you understood how powerful it is? For the good. For the good. Yeah, yeah, but, 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 but if, if I'm going to use it for the good, I have to deal with the bad. Yeah, you have to deal with the bad. You have to deal with every thought that is not good, that is not helpful. You have to deal with it. Stop letting it go through there and just letting it go away and it's okay. No, it's not okay. You've got to deal with it. You have got the ability to deal with it. So, this is what it says in Romans 1, 20 to 22. You, you know this as well. These are just bad illustrations. You understand me? But it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they, were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So, of course, they were imagining things, and they were following the imagination of those things. But none of the things that they were imagining were sourced in God. Do you understand me? They weren't sourced in God. Or shall we say it like this? Everything's sourced in God. Everything comes out of God. But when God thinks about them, he thinks about them from his heart. And when he thinks about him from his heart, there is nothing that steals, kills, or destroys in any thought that he thinks. So, unless you're thinking out of God's heart, from his own breath, then of course there's going to be a problem with your thoughts. But listen, you move and you have your being in God. You move and you have your being, you have your very breath in God. God has says that he lives in you. You are the ark of the tabernacle. God himself lives in your temple. And God wants to fill your mind so it is full of his good things that come from his heart. Now, of course, you have got to get good. You know, when I, 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 I shared this many times, testimony, you know, when, when I used to, at 17 years old, I had a Skoda, man, it was the, the best thing, a Skoda with, a, with the engine in the back, and I thought it was fantastic. I had music blaring out of it, arm down at window. Whistling at all the girls, you know, like a building site guy, you know. That's what I was like, whistling at all the girls, yeah. I'm telling you now, my mind was a mess. It was a mess, my mind. And I was doing all sorts of things with those girls, even as I passed in the car. You can't believe what I was doing, but God knows. And it's all dealt with. But I had to deal with it, do you understand me? I couldn't just let it carry on. I had to actually deal with it. Well, you've got to deal with it as well. You've got to deal with all those things. And ladies can deal with their things as well because they're no different. I've been around long enough to know we're all tempted in the same ways, all of us. Now, we've got to get a grasp of what goes on in our own mind and we've got to get it sorted out. And then God, he gives you little keys that help you not to go to those same places. And somehow you can see in a different way and you're not doing the same things that you used to do. And you realise that God is actually cleaning your mind. Do you slip? Do you slip? Yeah, of course you slip. Are you human? Yes, of course you're human. You're never going to deliver your humanness from yourself. Do you realise that? You're always going to be partly human, even when you get to heaven. Yeah, you're going to have flesh. Sorry, but you are. He says you're going to be made in his same image, and that's what he was made like. He has flesh. He might not have blood anymore, but he has flesh. You're going to be made in his image. You're going to be a man and a woman. You've got to sort this stuff out. You've got to sort it out. Huh? We've got to sort this stuff out with our minds. 
This is what he says in Genesis 6, verse 5. It says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Can you imagine how many times God has got blamed for the flood? Huh? Oh, it was God. He didn't like anybody. He just, he just flooded us all away. Got rid of us all because he was sick of us. No, actually, what happened is that the thoughts of men became so evil that God repented of it. He went, what have I done? Why are they thinking like this? You understand me? The thoughts in man's heart was, was not coming out of God's heart. It was a long way outside of God's heart. So who was it that got, got rid of them? Well, it were the, they're the selves that got rid of them. It wasn't God. You carry on going down that road, you're going you're to destroy yourself, aren't you? Huh? Are you not? Yeah. So where did the flood came from? Yeah, it came from their thoughts and imagination. It didn't come from God. Stop blaming God for things that he never did. You understand me? There's something about our thoughts that are terrible. People were offering up the children in the Old Testament on fire. Can you imagine that? God went... I've never even thought such a thought. He never even came into my heart. Wow. He gives you the power to think. Huh? We've got to see beyond. We've got to see beyond. And where this is what he says about Jesus. It says, uh, uh, for the joy that was set before him. So Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. He knew how he was going to do it. He knew who he was going to. He knew all these things about himself. He knew he was going to be crucified on the cross. That's what he knew. He knew it. He didn't deny it. He read it in the book. And he went, this is what's going to happen to me, boys. And they all went, no, it's not, Jesus. It's not. And he went, yes, it is. It is. But for the joy that was set before him. What joy was that? Yeah. He was imagining another place. He was allowing his mind to take him beyond what was presently happening. Do you understand me? And you can see this, John 15. Just think about what Jesus was like. As he got towards the end of his earthly life, Jesus was thinking things like this. I want to tell you that in my Father's house are many dwellings. And he's preparing a place for you. Do you understand me where he was? That was John 15. It's like a few days before he's getting crucified. So where's his mind? It tells you where his mind is. He's beyond the cross. He's going for the joy that's set before him. He's seeing you. And he's going, nothing is going to stop me from doing this for them. Nothing's going to stop me. Because I can see them. Even now, everyone is gone from me. Even now, they're all running away from me, Father. Even now, I'm being betrayed. And people are running away. Even my mum's looking at me. And she's wondering. She doesn't know. But Father... I'm seeing beyond because I see them all now. I see them in China and I see them in India and I see them in Russia and I see them in Iran. I see them in Iraq. I see them all over the world. I see them, Father, for the joy that's set before him. He endured the cross. You see, he was imagining, he was allowing his mind to go to a place that he knew in his heart. He knew it in his heart, but he was still a man. But he was allowing his mind to open up and he was imagining something beautiful. Now you've got to begin to imagine something beautiful. You've got to begin. Huh? I, I, I put it here, I can pray for anyone to be healed in the mind. But it will only be effective if first there's been a repentance. And repentance is not merely saying, I'm sorry. It's easy for people to say sorry. It's not saying sorry. There is a fruit of repentance that Jesus is looking for. The fruit of repentance is the action of saying sorry. Do you understand me? It's the action. It's, it's, it's not only saying sorry. It's the sorry that changes you around so that you're doing something. Now, when we repent, the underlying problem is selfishness, is it not? Mm -hmm. Normally, everything that we've done that we're repenting from is because we're selfish. We're looking after ourselves. So we find ourselves taken up with ourselves. It's all about me. When we repent, we say, sorry, Lord, I've made it all about me. And actually, it's all about you and it's all about everybody else. I'm so sorry, Jesus. And then he goes, that's great, Paul. But now your action is the other way. So now you're not looking after yourself. 
You're thinking about somebody else. And your action is going another way. The fruit of repentance is what God's looking for. Your sorry is not enough. You've gone, well, if I just say sorry, everything's going to be all right. No, it's not going to be all right. Because if you just say sorry and nothing changes, then there'll be consequences from that. Because really all you're doing is saying sorry and then carrying on. You can't do that. The fruit of repentance is to turn around and begin to think in exactly the opposite way to which you were thinking, which is now it's not about me, it's about you. Huh? Come on. You're not kids. You know this stuff, man. Come on, stop. Let's stop playing religious games. I am tired of religious games. I really am tired of it all. Because I just, I just go, this is not real. People are just going again and again with the same old things, but really, they're saying, sorry, 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 but nothing's changing. Well, then it ain't a real sorry. It's not a real sorry, because a real sorry actually puts you the other direction. That's a real sorry. Come on, kids. We can, we, we, we're different. We're different. We're different. So we've got to be able to... Say sorry and turn. And then we've got to deal with the thoughts of our mind. And it's you that casts down the imaginations that are wrong. The imaginations that are wrong. It's you that casts them down. 2 Corinthians 10, chapter 4 or 3. You can put it up or 2 or whatever it is. I think it's 2. Did I put it? It's 2 Corinthians 10, 2, I think, or 4. Put 4 up. So, Paul says... That we have weapons that are mighty for pulling down strongholds. And every argument and imagination that is high, that is not in the heart of God. So you say, you've got to do this. I, can't, I can pray that your mind is washed. I can pray that your mind is cleansed. And, and maybe we'll do that this morning, that your mind is washed and cleansed. But there's only you that can actually pull down those strongholds. You understand me? This is what I've learned over the years. I am more enthused, more excited, more, more, more thinking about people being released than they are about themselves. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm more for it. Do you know, the, the, once the Lord said to me, that's it, Paul, not another prayer for that person. Not another prayer. I don't want you to pray again. We were only saying it to me. We not saying it to anyone else. He was saying it to me. Because he knew that every day I'd prayed for that person for the last 10 years. God knew. And he went, Paul, shh, that's it. No more prayers. Why, Lord? Why? Because they don't believe it and they're not interested. You've got more excitement, more joy. You want them released more than they want themselves released. Forget all about it, Paul. Just carry on now. Never saw them again. I haven't seen them from this day to that. Really? You see, somehow we're going, God, you do it. And God's going, no, no, I've done everything. Now you do something. You deal with your thoughts. Bring them, be honest about your thoughts. I don't understand what's so difficult, me. Why do we find it so difficult to bring our thoughts that God knows all about? Yes, some of them stink. Some of them are not nice. He knows all about them. Stop playing games with God and just get to God and go, God, this is what my thought life's like. And now I'm taking it captive. Now, what do you do when you take captive? I know you've had a, a big thing up here. Nigel were dressed up as a policeman. and he, you've, you've seen it, haven't you? You've seen what happened. When someone takes something captive, they don't just go, oh, please, God, take this thought away. No, wrong prayer. Don't ever pray that prayer again. When they take something captive, they like see what's stealing from them, and then they shout at them and go, you are not going to do that anymore. You have no right and you have no authority, and I will not allow you to steal one more thought from me. Stop being so... No, but stop it. Really, you can't take out captive by going, oh, oh, Jesus, help me with this. No, stop it. It's all nonsense. Stop it. You take captive by going, ah, I've got you now, and I'm naming you, and you're finished, and I'm throwing you out. Amen. That's how you take it captive. Yeah. Not this pussyfooting about. Stop it. There's some things we can pray. There's some things we can proclaim. There's other things we can deal with. So... How are we going to deal with them? Because that's the thing, isn't it? So take it, take it. See it as a thief and take it captive. Huh? It's not going to do it anymore, is it? And then begin to imagine the beautiful things that God has said to you. 
Begin to imagine them. Do you understand me? Begin to see that part in your mind that has been filled by that negative thought, that dark thought. Begin to see that part of your mind taken up with the glorious light of good news. Begin to see it being taken up with the goodness of God. Begin to see you dressed in the righteousness of God. Begin to see you as you know that he sees you. Begin to see that for yourself. And go, yes, Jesus, that is who I am. You understand me? And don't be so English about it. No, no, really. We've, we've got to get out of that stuff. Stop being English about it. Start going, you know, this is who I am. I, I, I need to be free now. I need to be free. Because when you get free, then you'll be free indeed. And you'll be able to follow him, won't you? You'll be able to follow him in a different way. This is, he, ends, he ends this. Listen to this prayer. This is the, the, the one that I started with. Paul says that you are going to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And I'm praying it right now, Father, that they're going to be strengthened with might in the inner man, Father. Every single last person in this building, Father, and not, not just here, Lord, but families that are represented here, Father. We're going to see a strengthening in the inner man, Father. And Christ is going to dwell in our hearts through faith. We're going to have a dwelling of Christ in our hearts. Father, we're going to know it more than we've ever known it, Jesus. It's not only going to be a salvation, thank you, Lord. It's going to be a, you are the king of our, our lives, Lord. You are the king of everything about us. Lord Jesus, you are going to dwell in our hearts through faith. And it's your faith that you give us. So right now, Lord, we say, you're going to dwell in my heart like you've never dwelt before. Come on, say it to him. You're going to dwell in my heart, Father, like you've never dwelt before, Father. And that you will be rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. Comprehending this love and this grace. Its width, its length, its depth and its height. Father, it is going to go deep down, deep down. It's going to go far out, Lord. It's going to go wide and deep. It's going to go high, Lord. And it's going to get strong. Father, it's going to be like we've never known it before, Father. Because we realise this time that we're walking in, Lord. And we want to be strong in love and in grace and in faith, Father, on, on the inside. And we want to know this love, Lord, that surpasses all knowledge, Lord. Somehow, Father, it surpasses knowledge. And yet we've got to know it, Father. This is deeper than just a mind thing, Father. This is a spirit thing, a soul thing, Father, a deep thing. We want to comprehend it, Lord. And we want to be filled with your fullness, Father. The fullness of God who fills everything. Father, we want that fullness in us, Father. We want it in our DNA, Lord. We want it in our molecules, Father. We want it in our muscles and our bones, Father. We want it running through our, our mind, Father, through our brains, Jesus. We want this, Father. We want the fullness of God who fills everything, Father. And Lord, forgive them, Father, because I'm more excited for them than they are for themselves, Lord. But they want the fullness, Father. I know they do because that's why they're here, Lord. They know it. They feel it, Father. And we say, Lord, that they will be full with the fullness of God, just as this prayer was prayed, Lord. And Lord, we know that you can do this, Lord, exceedingly superabundantly. Above all that we are asking, believing or imagining. Father, you can do it more, more than we can ever imagine, Father, or ever think, Father. And I'm asking, Father, this morning in the name of Jesus, that you would do it, Father. Lord, I am longing for this, Lord. I want to be filled with all the fullness of God, Father. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of watching superhero films, Father. I'm tired, Lord, of watching Disney films, Father, with beautiful endings. Father, I want to be someone who does something. Who does something, Lord, who makes a difference on the earth, Father. And, Lord, I know there's not one person in this church, Father, that is not of the same heart because that is why they are here, Father. They'd have never made it through the door, Lord. They wouldn't have got in this place, Lord, without this heart. So I acknowledge you and I recognise it, Father. I know that this people is your people father and they are bound for exploits father so lord we're asking in Jesus' name father this morning we're asking please jesus ready us prepare us lord fill us father and we know that it's all for your glory father for your glory lord 
from generation to generation. Lord, that we are going to do exploits and things, Father, that are going to go on from generation to generation. Father, we want to thank you that it's just the beginning, Lord. We are looking for the restoration of all things, Father. We are not looking for the destruction of all things, Father. We are not looking for the negative things, Father. We are looking for the positive things, the good things, Father, the restoration, the revival, the renewal, Father. We're looking for that, Father, for reproduction, Lord. We're looking for good things, Father, and we refuse everything else, Lord, because you made us, Lord, to be conquerors and ambassadors and sons and daughters to the King of Kings. And I want to thank you, Father, thank you for this beautiful family. And Father, I just pray, Lord, if anyone, Father, gets upset by my humanness, Lord, by my delivery, Father, I pray, Lord, that it would not upset them, but Father, that they'd see past it, Lord, and they'd understand, Lord, that my enthusiasm, Lord, is just a little, little dripping thing against yours, Lord, for us. It's just a little drip in a huge ocean of love and grace that he has for us. So, Father, I bless this house, Lord, and all those that have not been able to be with us, Lord, for many different and wonderful reasons, Lord. But we bless them as well in the name of Jesus. Come on, just bless them right now. Think of anyone that's not here this morning and just bless them in the name of Jesus.